Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your home for all things strange and unusual. Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Waitley. And Mark SD. And guys, joining us in the studio today, we have a fantastic guest for you guys today. He is the voice of Dr. Jared Hell on the audio drama, Jar of Rebuke. Please welcome to the podcast. Casper Oliver, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. And for those of you who have not had a chance to check out Jar of Rebuke, it's freaking amazing. Absolutely. Please, please, yes. please take the time to go over there and put, put this video on pause. Come back to it. I know you guys. I know you guys. Remember, come back to it, but go go catch, catch a couple of his episodes. I'm already halfway through the series, and I absolutely cannot wait to finish it uh, tonight. You guys absolutely have to check this out. Uh, but Casper, uh, for those of our listeners that that have that have not heard of you yet, and they should, do you want to tell them about like tell them about Jar Buke, like what that is exactly? Oh heck yeah, of course. Uh, so Jar Buke is a uh, audio drama, a it's kind of a mouthful, a Midwestern Gothic queer heavy horror comedy. Uh, it's <laughs> it. Uh, I created it mostly because I'm from the Midwest, Indiana, born and raised, um, <laughs> uh, from a little southeastern farm town called Shelbyville, um, and I've lived in Bloomington, Carmel, Indianapolis, Claremont, all over the place. And there is some spooky stuff in the Midwest. There's the the river monsters, the tales of the stuff in the cornfields, there's all sorts of stuff, and it's never used and utilized in horror uh the midwest is as usual kind of forgotten about and so i was like no i have the power to do this and it was originally inspired by scp secure contain protect those all the whole like fake government database thing and uh i decided screw it and i was gonna make an audio drama i've been listening to things like welcome to night vale and Kako's Industries and stuff like that for years. So I said, I can I can do that. And I did. And it blew up much quicker than I ever anticipated. And it went from being just me writing, uh, recording, editing, putting all of it together to now I have co-writers and an editor and like 10 people on the cast. And it blew up and season one just ended. So I'm a little starstruck at its growth um and i'm just so glad that people are enjoying it like you guys so that's exciting to me one of my favorite things is there's tons and tons of like little references to real paranormal events like i definitely caught the green clawed beast but also like i think it was in episode one or two there's a real slight kind of nod of the head to like the dawn of the dunes Mm. things like that I, i yeah i was so blown away by the how good it was put together, but also by like those little like like real like nuggets of like real paranormal like real legends that were in there. Because how I how I found you in the first place was because me and Casper were, are both in this podcast group on Facebook, and I was looking for a guest for today's episode when we were going to talk about like how the internet has affected the field of the paranormal. And I just posted a request saying, "Hey, we're going to talk about this. Does anyone want to be a guest?" And literally, it was just tons of people that was like. Me, I'll do it. Me, me, I'll do it. I'm in. That sounds cool. And then finally, someone who's professional <laughs> comes, on, comes on and goes, I would like to do it. I have this I have this podcast. I have this audio drama, which is a mixture of SCP and real-world paranormal stuff that's in there. And I'm like, oh, somebody finally took my post seriously and then just made an effort <laughs> so, like to explain so i didn't have to like start sifting through all of these people's different podcasts that they're on and so that's what initially drew me to it and then i'm looking at your episodes and i saw the green clawed beast like it was like the green claw and i'm like that's impressive <laughs> right there the fact that that was on there i'm like i'm impressed right there uh because not a whole lot of people know about that particular cryptid mm-hmm. They should, and that was a cryptid that me and Vic did 
years ago. Oh, good. It was one of our first episodes. Yes. It's. I would say go back and watch it, guys, but it's not great. Yeah, it's garbage. <laughs> update. But, you know, someone who first also... First episodes are never good. Yeah. Yeah. But somebody who recognizes, like, one of the probably the most famous cryptid from Evansville, I'm like, I'm not... This person knows what they're talking about. So... Yeah. Actually, um, almost all of the... I say almost because we do take some creative liberties with some of them, um, but almost all of the creatures and cryptids and events in Jarver Buke are based off of real Midwestern lore. Like uh, episode two with the Blue Lady is based off of the haunting at story at at the Story Inn in uh, Nashville, Indiana. Um, and black-eyed children are common everywhere, uh, and I thought it was fitting because the crossroads of America, you know, they're walking all over the place. I made the reference to the dunes. Um, we've got, uh, we're going to hear soon touch on the Beast of Bray Road. Out in oh, Wisconsin, yeah. Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, we did that yeah. one. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, like, we, all of our stuff comes from, like, Midwestern legend and lore, and it's kind of like, I, I've gone and done all the research of all of these, like, the Michigan melon heads is referenced in one of the episodes, and I was like, what if all of this Midwestern urban legends and lore got shoved into one tiny farm town? Proceed. And that's kind of what Jar of Rebuke is is this immortal amnesiac scientist who studies these creatures and can't die. Well, he can die, but he always comes back from the dead. And he's sent out as like a field scout to go and research all of these cryptids and creatures and uh, his... And then, yeah, actually, the Green Claw episode is a fan favorite for a lot of people. Um, And it's either because they love the river monster or because the dude who voiced the river monster was a uh, voice actor in the Rooster Teeth game Dream Daddy. And so, yeah, yeah, he played the goth dad, Damien. Uh, He was the vampire dad, quote unquote. And he and I became friends and I was like, hey dude, I got this creature, and originally the voice for the river monster was going to be more comedic and a little less sinister. And then he was like, okay, but what about this? And then he did the voice that you guys heard, and I was like, I'd be an idiot to not have you do that. (laughs) Um, And now everyone wants to hook up with the river monster, and it's like, okay, go for it. (laughs) You, you, You cater to monster lovers. Okay, we ready to start busting into these? I am. I am. Okay, so today I'm going to continue my quest to finish this bottle of Serena. But you're Sweet on red wine. What, week, week two of trying to finish that bottle of I wine? I am trying to finish. Dude, first of all, I was Me. only drinking like a, I have to drink like a glass at a time, man. I can only drink a glass of red wine at a time. Okay, I am trying for the very first time Dragonheart Crafted Artisan Mead. So here's to hopefully this not sucking. It's a very little label <laughs> on a very big bottle. Yeah, it is. It's been a while since I've had mead, but I like mead. Mm. Mm. You absolutely got to love uh, alcohol with the paranormal. So, oh, yeah. uh, cheers. cheers to our awesome guest, Casper. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I mean, hey, they're called spirits for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is actually really good. Really, really flipping good. Is that another one of your sour beers? No, no, it's a mead. It's a uh, oh, okay. fermented honey. Okay, 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 okay. Right, but, that was fantastic. Okay. So today we're talking about how the digital age has affected the world of the paranormal, and there's a lot of ways we can go with this. So mm-hmm. where do we want to start? Well, uh, I'm going to say probably the easiest thing for me to, that comes to my mind is, you know, with the internet, with the digital age, it gives us the opportunity to even have Casper's audio <laughs> drama. I mean, I think even without it, it, it wouldn't exist. And that's one of the cool things about, like, <laughs> about the internet. Like, literally anyone who has a passion for creating something can just put it up and just send it directly into people's houses. You don't have to go and, you know, deal with TV executives and trying to pitch it as a show. It's You just put in the work and put it on the world. Yeah. And it makes 
makes it accessible to people all over the world. Like, for for example, like with Jar Rebuke, uh, we have a huge fan base in Spain, apparently. I don't know how that happened, but we got a lot of listeners in Spain, in the Philippines, in Italy. Like, I had to send some merch out to someone in Italy recently, and I, it was just, it blew my mind that this stuff... And that happens with all sorts of stuff. You get YouTube series that people film, um, but also things like creepypastas, the the internet scary stories. Like they just, they would not exist without the internet because that is their hub. And I think that's fascinating. Oh yeah, it used to be, you know, we would spread these stories through kind of an oral tradition around a campfire. But the thing with that is what, you go camping, let's say, let's say we're talking about the 50s. You go camping, what, maybe four times a year at most, and then you have to be in a place where people are receptive to listening to it, and you have to have to someone who actually knows a ghost story or something. It allows these to spread quickly. Those people who are interested in the paranormal now have access to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even slightly even before the internet, just having a media in general, or media, like, in general, to be able to listen to stories. I mean, take me, for instance. Like, I grew up in Indianapolis. I didn't grow up in the country sitting around a campfire being able to hear these kinds of stories that people would typically, how they would typically tell ghost stories. I mean, some of my very first encounters of listening to the paranormal came from watching The Twilight Zone or Are You Afraid of the Dark? When you were a kid, I mean, you know, some of them were campy, but at the same, you know, at the same time, but that was... The, the beginning about how I really got interested in, like, urban legends and things like that. Since we're on the subject of creepypastas, do you think it's helped or hurt the field? Casper? Mm, uh, I, I feel... I want to say both. Hear me out. Both because there are, there are people who have been drawn into the realm of the paranormal and the supernatural with an authentic passion and a genuine curiosity. But I feel the problem with creepypastas is there's been this trend of desensitization and also um, you hear the same stories kind of just told in different ways so many times that it loses its tension and it loses its fear and it loses that spark that makes these things so intriguing to us the unknown and granted there are there are some creepy pastas that i've been told that gave me nightmares for weeks and i'm 25 years old okay i am not ashamed <laughs> to admit that but but there are also some creepy pastas that i've listened to or i've read that have just been like you know the the problem is is that these hubs I'm, I'm no gatekeeper. I feel like anyone who wants to create should create. That, that Plain and simple. Anyone who wants to make art should make art. But when it comes to like these hubs of creepypastas, it, you just see things reskinned and retold and you kind of just lose the creativity and it's so accessible because anyone can do it. So I, that's why I say both. It, there have been some pros and some cons to it. Um, and I, I have a lot stronger opinions about ghost hunting shows than Oh, dude, no. so do we. Oh my God. Our arch nemesis is Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures. I'm telling you now. He, mm. He's out there, and if he's listening, I'm telling you, man, we, we, we're on your charlatan tricks, man. Screw you, man. If it wasn't for the fact that this is going up on YouTube, I would use much stronger language no. and much more graphic language, and I'd go into great detail. <laughs> I, I think you are correct, though, when you were talking about a desensit- like people becoming desensitized in a way as well, because when you have literally a, a computer in your pocket and you are able to just binge as much of these stories as you can you become desensitized to it so when you see people going out there either trying to uh find stories or even create stories either way either way that you go about it you're you're sort of seeing this i don't know the the hitchhiker on the side of the road getting in the back seat's not going to do it for you or the random haunted ghost you see in a, in a window story might not do it for you anymore and i think that's maybe why you're seeing much more violent stories like if you think like in our last ep- like in our episode on slender man when we talked about like slender man or jeff the serial killer uh god i can't remember the third one is off the top of my head but those kind of people where they're having to smiling jack. smiling jack where they're having to like up their game for like the terrible things that they do 
Um, and those are all really old ones too. No, I know. Yeah. Like this is, but this is just what you're seeing. You're seeing this just sort of escalation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they also, it also fosters that need to be more creative, and you get some really creative creepy pastas out there too. But kind of going back to my original question, I agree with you guys. It's a good and a bad, but I'll take it. I'll take. It. I'm happy to yeah. have it because I want people out there who's passionate. This is their gateway drug to get passionate about the paranormal. I am about it. Now, after going through creepypasta and getting interested in the paranormal, I feel bad for the people who then go on a real paranormal <laughs> investigation where 90, 90% of the time it is a fun evening in a cemetery or something like that. You're Most of the time you just don't find something really cool. Right. And if you do, it's usually a really short thing with no answers. because yeah, I've yeah. Well, when you watch all of these episodes, the camera's always pointed towards the person because 99% of the time when you go out in these investigations, you don't see anything. You're just out there with your buddies. That's what I hate about these ghost shows. Don't show me your face. I want to see the thing that's making your face react that way. Point the camera away from you. Yeah, it's like, listen, dude, I'm, uh, you know, I'm so glad that you think you're so hot, but I really don't want to be staring at you all this time, okay? You're not that attractive, okay? Chill. Like, I, I, st- I literally lost my mind when Zach did that whole thing. A ghost touched my butt, and then there was this whole freak out over it. Oh, it's like, did you guys see that? Episode? Oh, yeah. I, 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 so I can't stand that guy. I can't. Oh, no, you, then you've got, you've got good, you've got good taste then. Well, we went over his uh, documentary recently on the Latoya Almonds thing. Yeah, the Demon House thing that he did. And there were so many red flags of his own personal shenanigans throughout the whole thing that it just, uh, even if he did get some real stuff, it just gives me such a bad taste. I don't want to believe no, him. Like, here's the, here, and again, it goes back to my point about people trying to, having to almost hype up and take a story to another level when it's not even necessary. Like, we were talking about that the demon like yeah, if you, you don't if, need to do that sort no. of shenanigans to make that story good. It's already a good story. Yeah, his story with he does with the demon house when he's literally talking about a family that's like oppressed or possessed by a demon or demons, however you want to look at it, is probably the best evidence of paranormal activity ever. Like the the yeah. most documented, like that, that's anywhere. Yeah, and the, social workers are documenting this stuff. Doctors are documenting police. this stuff. Nurses are charting it. Police. There's tons of excellent accounts. And, there, and he just hypes it up, and he just takes it to a whole other level that's so unnecessary. It's bizarre. It's just bizarre to me. Yeah. Like, so besides besides the creepy pasta thing. They're just, do you know what got me on YouTube the first time? Like, I, YouTube was around for a while. You gotta remember, we're older old. than you. <laughs> we're old. And YouTube had been around for a while before. Got to get 10 years on you. <laughs> I had ever, like, searched YouTube. And do you know what got me on YouTube? Mm-hmm. I found out that there are people sharing videos that they have captured of paranormal evidence. And mm-hmm. that's what got me into YouTube. And after that, I dove straight in and absolutely loved it. It gave me the ability to... I didn't have to go out and try to find an obscure VHS tape of something. I didn't have to, like, try to find someone who had the, like, file on their computer. I could just go on YouTube and see what everyone's talking about. Yeah. And I think one of the first ones was that, uh, do you, have you ever seen the, uh, Sewer Blob? That sounds familiar. It's, it's a, the, the video that got me into it, it's a, um, it's a sewer tube that they're running, like, one of those, uh, cameras at the end of a snake, and then they get to this pulsating blob on a pipe. Have you guys ever seen that? Mm. That's mm. the first one I'd ever seen. I just looked at it and went, oh, that's a colony of tuba flex worms. But still, cool as hell. <laughs> yeah. And they just kept digging. <laughs> But yeah. that's the thing about the paranormal. You just have to, even when you hit a roadblock, you just have to keep digging. Because the weirdness is somewhere out there. You just have to right. dig through a lot of crap to get to it. Yeah. Well, like, my dad, um, I got into the paranormal because of my parents. My Both of my parents. Um, my mom was a huge horror buff. Uh, like, she, she got me into horror movies. And then my dad is, it's odd, my dad trained to become a priest... And then decided, screw that, got into witchcraft, and is now like a paranormal investigator. It's I don't know what happened to my dad. He had a great he had a great character arc though. Uh, 
<laughs> but but my dad, uh, he is an environmental scientist, meaning that he has researched uh, all things like what, what affects ecosystems. And so he'll go into these haunted places with the intention of I'm going to find a natural explanation for everything here. Because if he can find something that he can't explain, he gets so excited. He's like, yes, yes, there it is. Like this, this isn't some like ecosystem thing. This isn't some um, plant life or animals, whatever. This is, this is like ghosts. This is supernatural. This is paranormal. And that's kind of how I view it of, yeah, sure. Let's see if we can give a rational explanation. And if so, cool. And if not, then also cool. Like it's cool either way, <laughs> you know, uh, you don't have to make these stories or hype it in a way to just be ridiculous, which is what you see a lot of times with newer stories or with like ghost hunting shows, whether it's on Netflix or YouTube or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I think the best evidence of that is probably what like like Bigfoot hunting shows. Yeah. Like that. Mm -hmm. Like they've gone like like you know like they've gone like nine seasons without finding a Bigfoot. <laughs> so you know if I went nine if I went nine years without doing anything at work i'd get fired apparently if you're a bigfoot hunter they give you a season 10 so <laughs> like i i haven't really watched any of the bigfoot shows but the, if they're not finding something every episode that almost makes me think they might be legitimately trying to not fake stuff because that's yeah. that's one of the things about the show they're under a lot of pressure and I'm, I'm not giving them any manner of forgiveness for it but i understand the logic they're under so much pressure to produce something meaningful every episode and I know what it's like to go out and try to find meaningful things during, as a paranormal investigator. You, it's, at best, one out of every ten trips out there, usually not even that much. You're out yeah. there looking for stuff, and sometimes it just no, does not pop up. So I, I get that they have to get the ratings and stuff. Not forgiven, but I understand. But if they're out there doing the show and they're not getting something every episode, maybe they're at least trying. Yeah, a little more authentic. Like, we're we're going to be starting to record some of our investigations fairly soon, and I really don't think we're going to find something most episodes. Like, most of the time, it's going to be us having a nice night in an interesting place. Yeah. And what what the benefit that you have with that is even if you don't see anything, like, I feel like people watch these shows for two different reasons. This is my personal opinion, is either they want to watch it to get scared and start and have something exciting or they watch it out of the curiosity of like what's out there and the people who are watching it sincerely for the curiosity of what's out there will like be equally interested in just learning about you know why are these investigators here what's the story that drew them here what's and the, so if you're able to share those stories it's still going to be interesting to the audience that you want to have if that makes sense it does and then it inspires them to form their own paranormal hunting group Exactly. And not even realizing all of the extra stuff that goes into going out on a paranormal investigation. Like, is it legal to be there? That's why I like working with, with Ricky from Mount Vernon Paranormal. He somehow how always convinces the people to just let us in. Yeah. Even people who never let anyone in, he will convince them to let like, them in. You'd be surprised, Hopton. You go on a paranormal investigation, like how much, like, and I'm watching these shows, like how much, like prep work had to go in like they don't talk about that and what it took to get in there because so many times people do all these investigations and they end up with trespassing charges mm -hmm. <laughs> we just stick ricky on it Some, something about that new jersey accent just makes people open up to him i don't know what <laughs> what's his charisma modifier i wonder it uh, is, uh, it is <laughs> at it's least a plus four, four maybe a plus five it's it's pretty up there unless it's, we're talking about 3.5 if they're tying 3.5 i'll give him a plus eight because you knew that. Sorry, we're D&D nerds. <laughs> no, me too. I get that. I got a Paylor tattoo on my ankle. I got you. Holy crud. That is some awesome. Paylor. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get back to the digital age and the paranormal, I got a few questions for Casper. Yes. So, you said that your dad's really into, like, hunting for the paranormal. Have you ever joined him on one of these adventures? Um, I haven't joined him on a paranormal, like, investigation, mostly because, like, I haven't lived with him in a while, because, uh, you know, adulthood. But when I was a kid, my first job 
Uh, I guess it wasn't technically my job, but I, I worked on a haunted house. I was a scare actor when I was in like junior high. Uh, and the place that this haunted house was at in Greenwood, Indiana, I think it was, uh, the, 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 the land it was on was actually haunted. So it was a haunted house on actual haunted land. Nice. And, Great idea. Great idea. <laughs> no, it was, it was great. And it was a fantastic place to work. Um, at least for me, I had great experiences. Um, but one night we went out and uh, my dad, there were there were fairy lights out in the woods. That was cool. And uh, it's rumored that they are the spirits of some kids that died at a fire in some orphanage. However real that is, I don't know. Uh, but we went out there, and it was... At the time, I was embarrassed, but now I think it's hilarious. I was so cocky and confident, because you know how middle schoolers are. It's like I'm basically a teenager. Nothing scares me. And I walk out there, and I start seeing these multicolored lights just flitting between the trees. And, like, they, they weren't attached to anything. They were sincerely floating around. I screamed like a weenie, jumped like a Scooby-Doo character into my cousin's arms, who is about 6'4". Um, I scared the bejeebus out of him. And then, uh, but, so at the time, that was embarrassing. But I look back, and it was, it's, that's not my only encounter with the supernatural, but that's the only time that I've had an encounter, like, walking into it and expecting it. Like, I want if I heard of that um but i got into step cemetery kind of lost you repeat that one more time no i was just saying like i i've that's the first time that i've the only time i've had a paranormal experience that i went into knowing or expecting a paranormal experience uh instead of just kind of running into it uh, but I have I have been to Step Cemetery, if either of you have heard of that. Oh, yeah. Cemetery in Brazil, Indiana? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my yeah. God, I have tons of stories. I've investigated that four different times and had, like, experiences that totally don't match up with each other. Yeah, it's wild. Like, I went in the middle of the day. I went and sat on the stump and everything, uh, however smart that was. But, you know, I'm a white person at a haunted place. I got to do the dumb thing. Uh, so oh. I went and sat on the stump. Uh, and, but that, that, the, the, all the, the fairy lights at the haunted house are the only time that my dad and I have gone and, like, experienced something together. Do you want my weirdest, or, uh, Hundred Step Cemetery, uh, story? Okay. Me and Ellie, she's another member of our team and my wife. Uh, we weren't married at the time, though. I like how you didn't, like, lead with my wife. <laughs> nope, <laughs> just another member of my team. <laughs> she comes She comes on the show from time to time. Okay, so it's just me and her out that evening. We pull up, we head up the hill, we start investigating around, and really, there, it's a beautiful place, it's enjoyable, and there wasn't a whole lot going on. And then I start hearing these thuds kind of dropping around us. And I'm like, okay, what the heck? So I take out my flashlight and I start scanning around, I see something just kind of zoom past the light. And I look over, and I'm realizing there's rocks landing around me, and they're just kind of zooming past me. So I'm like, okay, this is weird, but if I caught the trace of one, I can probably catch the trace of another. So I call Ellie over, and we start shining our flashlight through, and sure enough, just by watching uh, the movement of the rock through the light, we're able to trace where it was coming from. The problem is there's literally nothing there. It's just oh. nothing there, like in, uh, just an open space near the forest edge. And one of them hits me in my boot, and I can feel it on the inside, like it actually hurt. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. I'm wearing steel-toed boots. This might be time to get out of here. So what I did was I had Ellie walk forward with me with my back, trying to catch an eye on what the heck's going on. So we get out of there, and we go to a a Burger King. Mm -hmm. And I check, and my steel-toed boot has like a sharp V dent in it. Now, here's the really weird thing. Like I said, we could see the rocks moving through the air, right? Yeah. It was moving in an arc as if someone had tossed it underhand. Hmm. There is no way you could build up the inertia to cause a dent in a steel-toed boot on an underhand-handed throw. The amount of inertia that would have been needed to cause that much damage to it would mean it had to have been a very straight-line sort of throw. Maybe it's just that soft. It was just easy for it to hurt you. It did. It did. No, I, it was a dent in a steel-toed boot. Maybe it was tin for. I don't know. I, I guess maybe I got discount. I got the bad pair of steel-toed boots, maybe. But that, that's the story that, like, I just cannot explain 
how something could be moving at that arc and leave that dent. And it was just such a peculiar story. Like, I, I, I really enjoy, um, like, 100 Steps Cemetery. I haven't been yeah. there in a while. But do you know how I first found out about 100 Steps Cemetery? No. Oh. Hmm. What, a website. There there are these websites out there which just with lists and lists and lists of haunted places in Indiana. And what I used to do is just open one of those, see what was within driving radius, given the amount of time I had, and would just go. Yeah. And that's another big way that they, uh, the digital age has affected the paranormal. I, I, like, yeah. You can just find places near you. You don't have to trace down story after story to try to locate the place. God. Unless something really obscure, like the work we're doing around um, Old Leavenworth right now. Like, could you could you even imagine Casper trying to do your audio drama with only stories you've heard from word of mouth? I it probably would have been like five episodes long. Like <laughs> honestly, like all, so much of what I have for Jar of Rebuke is like I would sit, I reached out to people in Facebook groups. I'm in like, hey, what's uh, if you're from the Midwest, what are your paranormal experiences? Uh, I'm making a podcast based on the Midwest, or I bought so many books through like online stores, like the Weird Indiana or Weird Ohio, and those sorts of things as a starting point to then do further research. But it's all been because of the internet, you know, and then maybe four or five stories my dad told me growing up. But besides that, <laughs> like... Oh my gosh. Do you happen to have a copy of the book Indiana Monsters? Uh, no, but I have Wisconsin Monsters, I think. I need to you get Indiana grab a Monsters. Copy, since you really like the Indiana stuff, you should grab a copy of Indiana Monsters. I actually need to buy another copy, because so many times I bought this book and then lent it out and had it never return. Oh, no. <laughs> a, oh, yeah, no. This If I buy another one, this will either be my third or fourth time buying it. <laughs> but it's a really, really uh, good reference book for just really, really weird as hell stuff that happens in Indiana. Vic. First of all, join the 21st century and get a PDF, okay? <laughs> Books? I'm sorry, I don't speak peasant. <laughs> I, don't like reading, I don't like reading on a PDF. It, it hurts my eyes after a while. A book, I can just sit there and keep reading. A PDF, eventually I start to get a headache. Yeah. But yeah, I think I'm going to have to order a new copy of that book soon. And I definitely recommend it to you, man. It has some crazy as hell, hell tells. <laughs> Definitely have to look into that because I'm always looking for new books. I'm gonna here, so I'm gonna throw another one. Have you seen or heard of any of the stories where people see like cursed images on the web or like cursed YouTube videos? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, considering that my love of horror started with The Ring and then moved yep. on to yeah. Actually, a funny story about The Ring. If you don't mind me going on a slight tangent. Um, tangent, tangent away. <laughs> is my dad uh so my mom was super into horror films before she even um met my dad and then they got married really like after i think they were together like nine months got married it, it's a whole thing and then so my dad started getting into horror through that and one of his first ever horror movies he ever watched was the ring when i was a tiny baby and i think i was like just old enough to walk um, well, no, I probably would have been about, like, five or six, so still very young. And he's watching The Ring alone at night. He has all the lights off. He had just come home from work. My mom's asleep. I'm asleep. And it's the scene where Samara is climbing out of the TV, right? And he's on the edge of the couch, freaking out. And apparently he sees in his peripheral this tiny child with long hair in a nightgown coming down the hallway. And he screamed and threw himself over the couch and started swearing. And... I started to sob because it was me. I had just come out for a glass of water. And my dad, to this day, will not watch The Ring if I am there. I like that. So if you were there and he's he was watching The Ring, just like as a crazy hypothetical, would you find a nightgown and try to repeat it? Oh, he's yes. nodding yes, yes, guys. Yes. I, would, yes. I would do it too. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yes, and my dad would then probably just—he probably wouldn't be as scared. Uh, more, what the hell? Uh, but it'd be worth it. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I have. Uh, you get those stories where it's like the cursed. Um, there's like the the cursed comics that if you read them, you'll be haunted by the ghost in the comics, or uh, the cursed paintings, and uh, or you hear a ghost story and you'll be haunted by it. Like, I think Dear David was supposed to be something like that. That was that whole Twitter horror story. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I didn't follow Dear David on Twitter, but there's a YouTube I really like called Rainbot, and she does a lot of horror stuff, and she did a whole deep dive into Dear David, and that was one of those things that I watched her video a little too late at night, or maybe even too early in the morning, depending on how you want to look at it, and I could not sleep, <laughs> because <laughs> I was like, there's a baby with a deformed head in my closet, I cannot sleep. No. So, I... We did this episode on the. Remember the the solar plexus clowns thing? Yeah. It's like the. It was like this cursed clown image that if you see this thing, if you like, if you see this particular image, it would like affect your like solar plexus chakra, chakra like the the chakra in your chest or stomach, somewhere in that area, like in your chest area. And if you see this image, it would curse you. Like that's what it did. And there's other typical stuff that we saw that that circulates the internet that if you see this image you're cursed and bad things happen to you yeah, your solar plexus chakra yeah. is the one that governs your ability to your will your ability to push yeah. forward through things and move throughout your life yeah so it's supposed to like stick stick you in a stagnant area gotcha so my i was thinking this so a lot of times it doesn't even have to be like you you might not even have to knowingly see this necessarily to become cursed and what most people don't know about digital images is you can hide images in other images <laughs> Yeah. So you can put some of these cursed images in other images of like I don't know a duck or family photos, yeah, and just send these to people and it circulate around. But have either you guys found a so-called cursed image, cursed video, cursed website that you thought was legit, that you uh, that you weren't on the fence about? You felt that there was something legitimately to it. I know that you did not look at the solar plexus clown photo so you at least believed enough that it could oh, be a real thing i believe that i should not risk it but in the research <laughs> of it i did not particularly think it was a likely thing to curse me i am very careful about potentially being cursed it's you, not something i go into yeah. easily i did not look at the image because it wasn't worth the risk yeah. but i thought likely this is probably yeah. not cursed but have you guys come across anything that you thought there's probably something to this i'm gonna say no but if there even is i'm not worried about like paranormal cyber terrorists that are out there that are putting these cursed images and then flooding the internet and we wouldn't even know all of 2020 could have been caused by these paranormal cyber terrorists and we don't even know you're they could have been throwing it around you're gonna code. scare people man what if, what if all these bernie memes that are going around what if there's one embedded in his mittens what if that's what's going on and we're living, and we're ready for 2021 to be even worse than 2020 because we've been looking at cursed clown images and we don't even know it oh for the love of god don't be worse be be better be a good year i'm not trying to cause 2021 i'm not trying to cause a panic i'm just concerned i'm you're trying to cause a panic. <laughs> like I mean, it's just a, oh, there's whole new images to the, like, things going viral. Yeah. Oh, God. And, like, especially Could you not see some sort of, like, person doing this? Okay. Yeah. Maybe. I'll give you a maybe. There you go. Maybe. <laughs> well, like, you see such weird stuff, like, on YouTube. Like, that's not even touching on the dark web. But, like, you get so much stuff with like you you've got full-on snuff films on the internet who's to say that you don't have like more metaphysical terror like being spread I, around absolutely you know, there's a big occultic vein that exists within there i've been told that if you want to get into it you have to know the right circles and you have to know the right search terms but i've been told that mm -hmm. there is a big occultic vein to it well, you can't even, there's no Google on the dark web. You have to no, know the specific to, website you're going to. You have to but, use the wiki. Yeah. But like, or even like the Marianas web, which is like the legendary web under the dark web, supposedly rumored to be. The one that might or mm -hmm. might not yeah, exist. exist. <laughs> which Vic, by the way, said was a bad video, by the way, idea for us to do and became one of the most popular okay, videos that um, we did early in our, oh episode, my early God. In our career. You're he, okay, just so you guys know, he brings this up once a week at least to Absolutely, me. I do. And yes, I said that I did not think it was paranormal enough. I'm glad it was a popular video, but it wasn't all that paranormal. A, a conspiracy of a secret part of the web that might contain, like, deep-rooted state secrets or an AI artificial intelligence that runs the, the internet? Marcus, I... That's I, not paranormal enough? Do you Marcus, see, do you Marcus, see Casper, Marcus, what he's putting up, Marcus, what he's putting get, up with? I get that you're right so rarely that when you are occasionally right, <laughs> you have to yell about it for literally years at this point. That video came out three years ago. Yeah, this, this is just a statement of how rarely correct he is. That's true. I it sounds like I... me and 
it sounds like me and my wife. Like, uh, you know those jokes where it's like, my wife is always right? Like, I would buy my wife that mug because it's true. <laughs> like, not, like true. she's got, like, a master's degree, and she's, like, I, I don't know. She is very, very, very smart. And she'll, she is, I, I am so rarely right, and she is so rarely wrong that I will hold on to the slightest of like, hey, remember that one time that you misreasured that you know you mismeasured that shower mat that I was correct about? Yeah, give me that, please. We've been together almost six years. Please let me have this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. I, I, I get that. Ellie's always right because if I ever say she's wrong, she will pull out her her switchblade and cut me. I am positive that that is a thing. That is one tough lady. <laughs> Oh, yeah, she, uh, she sounds nice. In those Ellie Waitley story time things, no, she she is a tough girl. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh man. Well, we're we're hitting about that time. We're getting about there. Um, so, Casper, is there is there anything else that you wanted to bring up that you wanted to talk about, either as far as jar of rebuke or? the topic we've been talking about so far. I want to make sure that, that you get an opportunity to say anything else that you want to. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the one of the final things I was going to mention is um, kind of trailing back to ghost hunting stories. But this is yes. something that's relevant for not just the big TV shows, but you also get this on YouTube and all that, where it's you have something that's so genuine as the paranormal um and there's something beautiful in the unexplained uh there's something beautiful in the unknown and it, it kind of makes us as humans confront the fact that we don't know everything and that is a scary thing which is what leads these to be as scary as they are as we understand um and you get these shows and the problem with that is that because we don't know uh when people think that they know and there are you you know those people who think that they know everything that there is to know about the paranormal uh it can really damage um people getting into it it can really damage people and their experiences with it because it makes them feel wrong or it really misleads them and it, it, it doesn't help that we especially live in a world that's so interconnected and we have so many cultures that are kind of overlapping and interacting um, that we are getting to learn new ghost stories from different parts of the globe. But because of that, there comes the whole thing of what's true, what's not, what's real, what happens. And I guess the only thing I would say is if anyone's looking to get into the paranormal or if you've been in the paranormal for years, the only advice I give is keep an open mind um, because you may think you are right and then you'll have one experience that changes everything. So my experience, my advice to anyone is just keep an open mind about whatever you're getting yourself into. And that, that, that's all she wrote. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't think of any other, I couldn't think of any other way to put that, man. I think that's, that's really good advice, man, oh, for yeah. anybody wanting to get into the paranormal. And I, I love this, the fact that we have more cultures at our fingertips, because often you'll find the same things being used in multiple cultures. And that really makes you think, this must probably work, because these cultures likely were not communicating at this time. Bigfoot is, yeah. is, Bigfoot is the easiest example in all of oh, that. Yeah. Every single major culture around the world has some sort of Bigfoot story in yeah. it. And the amount of unrelated cultures that use salt to get rid of ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> garlic with vampires. Yeah. Or, like, shadow, or, like or shadow people stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I love those. Those are one of my oh, favorites. We're, we're so. big shadow people uh, like guys on our channel. That was actually our first video. We've come back to it a few times. Okay, I'm going to give my final verdict on uh, <laughs> Dragonheart Crafted Artisan Mead. The final verdict is you drank the whole thing. I did. Oh, I always drink the whole <laughs> thing, even if it sucks. I drink the whole thing because it's alcohol. You don't yeah. waste that stuff. Yeah. Okay, it is really flipping good. If you are at all a fan of mead and you have a spare, I think this was $8. Go, go for it, guys. Absolutely. Go for it. It, it, is, it is very, very good mead. Pro possibly one of the better meads I've had. Absolutely. Um. But before we head out, Casper, I definitely want to make sure that I want to thank you definitely for coming on to the podcast. 
today. You were fantastic to have on here, man. You were super knowledgeable of what we were talking about. Contributed so much. If you guys uh, are listening to this episode, go over to Jar of Rebuke and check out their whole first season. Uh, we're going to put it uh, links to all of it and their social media stuff in the description below and in the show notes of all of this so that you guys can can go check that stuff out. Yeah, I've got four more episodes, yes. and I'm going to binge them tonight. Yes, and you've got a, uh, I know you've got a contest going up with, like, with fan artwork and stuff for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. when is season two coming out? Well, we are releasing interlude episodes. So they're going to be like little mini five, ten minute episodes. Uh, they are canonical, so I do suggest everyone listen to them uh, during February and March. Come okay. April seventh, will April seventh will be the debut of season two and also the end of the art contest. So like oh. the second season starts and then the art can the so we're gonna have two months of interlude so episodes. Just, are we going to collaborate on a art piece for this? Oh, I think we absolutely can collaborate on an art piece for this. We can do this. Just as a heads up, neither of us are very artistic, <laughs> so be ready. It might be refrigerator worthy. It might be worthy of that. We're going to expect that. I'm, oh. I'm ready. I want to see it. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Um, definitely make sure you guys go check out the Jar Review. Again, man, Casper, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Um, for our patrons, don't uh, stick around because we're going to have Casper on. We've got some more questions for him uh, while we continue our discussion on this. If you want to catch the rest of our podcast, all you got to do is go and sign up to uh, to a Patreon and sign up there uh, for as little as another month. You guys can get the rest of this podcast that we have to do with Cas- uh, Casper. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide into our Pillow Talk segment now, the podcast. So, Vic, you had a burning question you wanted to ask Casper. Okay. Casper, you're clearly someone who's done some serious research on the Midwest in the odd happenings here. Yes. I would like for you to go over some of, your, some of the things you find to be the most fascinating aspects of it. Like, what are the most interesting cases? What are the most interesting themes? What have you discovered that you would love to share? Okay, uh, this is a story that I take liter- I, I tell literally every ch- time I get the chance. Uh, so, so one of the things, one of the great motifs, or the biggest motifs in Jarver Buke is the not deer, which, if you're from the Midwest... That was my favorite thing when listening to it, the three-eyed deer. Yeah. I freaking yeah. love that. Yeah, and there is a reason that the not deer are a central motif and symbol for the first series of Jarver Buke is because I've seen one. I have seen one, and I, I, I will stand by it because it was – I lived out in the middle of the woods in Bloomington, Indiana, um, and it was up on a hill. And I, I used to see deer all the time, and one time I was walking with my dog, Harley, who is like – came up to my hip, was like a big dog, right? And, and uh, I was walking out in the woods, and suddenly my dog, who was not scared of anything, suddenly just froze and stared forward. Which I thought I thought we were seeing a bobcat or a mountain lion or something like it was out in the middle of nowhere, and I looked forward and I saw a deer, but its legs bent in the wrong direction. Its fur was more of a gray color, and its antlers were just all twisted and weird. And some fae-like shit. I know I saw its face, but its face is like blurred out. It was as if my brain censored out what its face looked like, and I stood there and I stared at it. And just like with Jared in the story, something in my brain told me, turn around and go home. And so I did. I just walked home because something in my brain told me to walk away. And ever since then, I have been so fascinated with like trying to learn more. But the not deer are so hard to find information on because so many people don't believe they exist. Uh, it's like some little folk tale. But I know I saw one. <laughs> like, I know I did. Um, so that's my my tin hat, my tinfoil hat thing. I know I saw it. They exist. <laughs> okay, before we move on to any other topics, I got to talk about this. I love the idea of the not deer. And I don't know if you probably don't know this about me. But I'm one of those people who I will grab onto a thread and pull in journal and pull in journal. Like, I have stacks of journals just on the paranormal that I've written and stuff. I would love to get all the information you have on this and take up this case and start looking for this thing because I loved the not deer 
when I was listening to your stuff, I'm, I was listening to I'm like, I really hope there's some sort of folkloric backing to this thing, because this is so freaking interesting. It also crosses with a few other things I've researched before, some of the details you gave me. So after this, I would love to give you my email. Have you seen yes. me anything you know about it so far? And I will seriously start taking up this cause. Something that I, I want to know, when you said that it in your head that it said, like, turn around and go home, do you, like, was it more like the telepathic thing, like, what was in the jar of rebuke, like, in your first story, or do you think it was an instinctual thing? Do you think you were talking to yourself in your head? Do you think it was it? Like, what do you think that was? Thank <laughs> you.